We remain standing in honor of the gospel reading, which comes to us this morning from the book of Luke. So hear now these words. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then Jesus told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly, and he thought to himself, What should I do, for I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down all my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods, and I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich towards God. This is the word of the Lord. I am angry, depressed, and afraid, and that's on a good day. And today I'm in this pulpit after the massacre in El Paso, another in Dayton that I read about just as I was coming into worship, the one in El Paso committed by another white male at the altar of gun worship and white supremacy. And if I'm being honest, it's at times like these I really would feel safest listening to Carol or to Renee or to Lauren or to Kathy or to Jim. But I'm the one standing here. And so before this sermon, I will invite you to pray this week, not because prayer will end white supremacy or mass shootings or gun violence. I actually don't believe prayer alone will do that. I invite you to pray this week because anger and fear and self-reliance is what has brought us to this place, and we cannot heal our nation alone. We must join a broad coalition of people of all religions and no religion at all, and we must be willing to risk everything, and only then we might have a chance. That is the addendum I thought of at 2 o'clock in the morning last night. This, though, is the sermon. And looking at you, I know we've got some NPR listeners here in the congregation. You might even be so extreme as to listen to the New York Times Daily podcast. I was listening to the radio this week, and I spit my coffee when I heard them talking about how wonderful the economy is going. So there is a lot of uh, New York Times banter about how unemployment rates are low and interest rates are being cut by the Fed to help keep the economy running well. And if you don't really understand the Fed or interest rates, we are the same. (laughs) You're not the only one. But here's the thing. It's hard for me to hear that the economy is going well. If I'm being honest, I have more debt than I will ever pay off. You would spit your coffee if I read you the numbers from up here. I'm not sure that I'm ever going to be able to buy a house, and many of my friends, they're in the same boat. I actually know lots of people who live paycheck to paycheck who have jobs. They're fully employed, and they can pay the bills, but just barely. They're not saving money. There's an affordable housing crisis, which means if you rent, you know that rent is too high and it's getting higher, 
And believe it or not, a lot of people work minimum wage jobs, and if you've ever worked a minimum wage job, you know that that's not enough. Unless, of course, you're willing to work two jobs, or three. Most people in America don't have a ton of money and savings, and most people in America cannot afford a medical crisis. Most Americans are worried about money because we don't have a lot of it. So what are they talking about on the radio saying the economy is going well? Obviously, it's easy for me to get lost in that line of thinking, so let's take a little bit of a step back. There are two questions that I invite you to consider with me this morning. One has stuck with me since Jim spoke last week and since I stood here in the waters of baptism with Emily, and the other comes from our text. Those two questions are, who is Lord, and what does it mean to be rich towards God? Your answer to the first one is very important because it's going to impact how you hear scripture and how you live your life. Some practical theology, what you believe matters, who is Lord to you will shape your reading of scripture and your way of being in the world, and here's what I mean. If white supremacy is Lord, when you read scripture, you can justify slavery and racism and someone who yells at people to go back to their country. If being a man is Lord, whatever that means, but if being a man is Lord, you can read scripture and find reason to treat women and the LGBTQ community poorly, and you'll even call it godly as you dehumanize them. If drinking and drugging are Lord, when you read scripture, you're going to find shame and fear and anger and resentment for yourself and for other people. And if money is Lord, when you read scripture, you're either going to find support for the quick profit and building big barns to store it in, or... You're going to read scripture like today and you'll feel nothing. For the man in the parable, at least in this conversation, grain is money and money is Lord. He has so much that he doesn't know what he's going to do with it. So he says, I have so much. What will I do? I'm going to build a massive barn to put it all in. And just after that, God says to him, you fool, what are you going to do with all of that grain or all that money when you die? Jesus closes this parable telling us to be rich towards God curious thing. This is a bad joke, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Did you know that there is a barn that is way better than the barn in the story? In this barn, you can put your grain and some magic stuff happens and grain just like appears and it grows and grows and grows. It's called the stock market. (laughs) I'm serious. You can put your money in the stock market. I don't know anything about this, but when I read about it, it sounds crazy. You can put your money in the stock market, and in the imaginary world of money and numbers, not even backed by gold anymore, I mean, we're talking like really imaginary stuff, if you take care of your money in the stock market, more money just appears. Seriously. And if money is Lord, you can hear the scripture today and think things are good. Like, I also have a nice barn. But the majority of Americans, and you have to understand, I'm not talking about like when you were 17 and you played in the stock market to see what it was like, or if you're a teacher trying to do better for yourself. Uh, I don't know that anyone in here is in the game that I'm talking about, right? But the rest of Americans, what are we supposed to do? What does it mean to profess Jesus as Lord? What does it mean to be rich towards God? Here's a thought. If Jesus is Lord, when you read scripture, you're going to find love and grace and redemption and resurrection. And if you are rich towards God, you're going to get that that's an urgent thing. Jesus tells the man, this very night your life is demanded of you. 
There's urgency. We know that you can be addicted to all sorts of things. I would submit to you maybe we're addicted to money in America and a few other things. You can also be addicted to drugs or to alcohol, and so we might hear Jesus say in another way, instead of you fool this very night, your life is being demanded of you, we might hear Jesus say, you addict, today is all that we have. Those in recovery understand the urgency, but Jesus wants all of us to understand the urgency. Today is what we have, just today. And if Jesus is Lord and if we seek to be rich towards God, we aren't going to be concerned with building barns for six months in the future or three years in the future. We're going to be focused on grace and redemption and new life for today. But I struggle with this. And I know you're probably like, Perry, you struggle all the time. You tell us, blah, blah, blah. What are you going to say? I struggle with this, though, very specifically. It's easy for us to live a spiritual life that keeps us away from the world, right? So sometimes we can retreat into our faith and into our mindfulness such that we close ourselves off and we make our own safety and comfort, Lord. And this is where I can do that, but then I struggle with this one, which is swinging the other way. And that's where you make, and I make, I should say, politics, Lord. I read a lot about poverty, about the Second Amendment, about police brutality, about immigrant families and children being tortured and all sorts of injustice. And if I make politics, Lord, I get essentially to a point where I could have written the book of Ecclesiastes, right? I get buried in fear, and then I'm not of help to anyone. But the questions, they still come. Who is Lord? Am I willing to be rich towards God? So here's the thing. The text this morning and always is ready to meet you exactly where you are. If you have a big barn making a lot of grain and if the stock market stuff makes you uncomfortable, this text and a lot of Jesus' words are frankly going to make you uncomfortable. They're going to sound harsh. But if you don't have a barn or if you don't have much grain to put one to put in one even if you did or if you have just enough grain until 2 weeks from now when you get the next grain deposit This can be a weird text to hear because it's like, Jesus, I don't have much grain or a barn to put it in, so this parable is not about me. But the text actually meets us where we are. Who is Lord? Are we willing to be rich towards God? If Jesus is Lord and if you are willing to be rich towards God, you aren't going to be trapped in life always trying to collect as much wealth and belongings as you can. Flip side of that is if you are struggling, Jesus is about the work of liberation. Jesus is not telling people working multiple minimum wage jobs not to get this money. He actually wants us to be secure and to be whole. So Jesus actually wants us to provide for ourselves and the people we care about, but he tells all of us we can actually take it too far. But if Jesus is Lord, we have an opportunity We can live life as if today matters in the best way that each of us can. The truth is that you can't fix everything, and I can't either. Neither you nor I can read enough politics to bring about the revolution on our own, even if it's fun to entertain the possibility. What we can do, though, is we can love the people that we meet, those we know, and strangers. We can love them like Jesus loves us. We can forgive one another. And we can participate in redemption. If money is Lord, you have no reason to end homelessness. 
If money is Lord, you have no reason to welcome the immigrant. If money is Lord, you have no reason to set people free from prison and the stigma of a felony conviction. But if Jesus is Lord, you have reason for all of those things and a lot more than that. So today, I want you to take this away. Be rich towards God. Let go of those things that you make Lord before Jesus Make a difference where you can, and you know what? Despite everything that I said, if today it means working on yourself and taking care of yourself, for today that is good too. At some point, though, all of us will have to answer the call to work towards redemption in our own way, and we're going to have to do it together. If we are willing to risk it all and profess that Jesus is Lord, I think and still believe that the world can and will be changed and we will be too. Amen.